Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. You'll also have instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, player props, and boosted odds specials. Just download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The Bet MGM app is the perfect way to experience the excitement of wagering on live sports now in more markets than ever. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Good evening, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Fat Minute. We're back on vacation, and I'm just as cranky, ornery, and sleep-deprived as I was before we left. I am, of course, your host, Don John, the world's largest love machine, and I'm joined tonight by the original Gerber baby, BVJ. Hello. How you doing, Blake? Uh, it wasn't really a vacation, but okay. Well... <laughs> I used vacation just to make it sound like we were doing something productive. Okay. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know I sure as hell wasn't. No. (laughs) But we're picking up where we left off, continuing our retrospective look at the decade of the 2010s. Moving on with the year 2011, just us tonight. We're just having a bro session. Um, So we're going to start off with some cultural events that made the news headlines in 2011. And uh, we'll start off with the wedding of Prince William and Kate Middleton. And I put this one on the list because I thought it was an interesting contrast with the whole thing going on with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle now, because I remember leading up to this wedding, it was like everybody was fucking invested in it. Like, even people who you would not expect to give a fucking shit about what's going on with the royal family. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Jim Gaffigan made a joke about this once, kind of, where he was talking about, you know, eating at McDonald's and how you have people nowadays who are like, oh, you eat at McDonald's? Disgusting. And he's like, we all have our own McDonald's, you know. For most people, it's like gossip, you know. We keep eating it up and gobbling up, even though it's bad for us, but we can't get enough for it. He's like, it's all. He's like, if you care about what's, who Jennifer Aniston's dating, it's McDonald's. If you care about what's going on with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, it's McDonald's. And if you care about the royal wedding, that's Burger King because that's not even our gossip. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. But I remember fucking everybody was invested in this wedding for some fucking reason or another, and like Kate Middleton, she she could have she could have taken a shit in the middle of a public street and people would have thought she was a total sweetheart. Like this woman could do no wrong. And it, it's a huge contrast to, you know, the, the portrayal in the media that Meghan Markle got. And it's just like, and then you get the people be like, it's not about her race. And it's just like, okay, well then what does she do to make everybody hate her? Like, yeah. Cause it's like, and you see side by side comparisons of like, her and Kate doing the exact same thing. And like the, the daily mail headlines that yeah. like, her, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the, ex- they're doing the exact same thing, but like for some reason when Kate did it, it was cool and even endearing. But when she, when Meghan Markle does it, it's bad. And it's just, it's a huge contrast and it's like night and day. 
Um, but yeah, I just remember everybody losing their shit over this wedding, being so invested in it. And like, it was on every late night talk show and every like news station, like the, like almost the entire fucking year, or at least, you know, leading up to it. The entire season. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what do you, what do you got to say about it? I mean, really just an echo of a lot of the stuff you touched on. Like everybody like was almost forcing themselves to care about it, which like, not to just be like a naysayer or, you know, just like a, just a negative dude for the sake of being negative. Like at the time it's like, okay, you know, good for them. But then as time went on, it's like, I, I, I can only congratulate someone so many times. Like what, what more do you want from me? Right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but now in hindsight, it's sour because it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, <laughs> like, it's just like you said, like, Meghan Markle could literally have forgotten to, um, you know, pull a door shut all the way and she was the new Hitler. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, just, I, and then especially, like, when, I mean, other than, like, you know, I genuinely care about, like, Meghan Markle being treated well, but as far as, like, other stuff with the royal family, like, oh, where are they going for their getaway this weekend? Like, I guess William and Kate still are, what will they name their, you know, other child if they ever have another one? It's like, okay, can I finally officially say I don't give a shit? Like, yeah. I'm, I live in America. Like, yeah. They don't I mean, even have any actual power. <laughs> No, they're 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 basically living monuments. Um, I guess like in a way they serve as like ambassadors, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just, it's like whatever we have we have our own people to gossip about. They have that family, and we have the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> yep, same exact thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure one takes bigger shits. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I don't think the but, queen. I don't think the queen's taken the shit since the eighties. Um, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, she's probably just all constipated from all that racism. Um, <laughs> roasted. But, but what I remember most about that weekend, the wedding weekend, is how America one-upped it. <laughs> I, I, I will allow you to lead us into the next topic. Yep, same weekend, America said, "Oh, you're having a wedding ball." Here we are. Here, here's our uh, here, here's our gift for the reception. The death of Bin Laden happened that same weekend. Um, just, just, just imagine like the wedding ceremony and flowers and nice violin and piano playing, and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> your favorite cousin's busting playing. The boys are back in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember because it was it was kind of late at night when the news broke, it was like maybe not like after nine or 10 o'clock at night when the news broke and I was just watching TV and I just kind of like checked my phone and I started seeing stuff all over Facebook and MySpace. I still had a MySpace at the time um, to really, you know, date this incident or event, I should say. Um, and I just remember seeing posts all over the place, like Bin Laden dead, Bin Laden's been killed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, we all remember that, that, you know, conference of Obama walking down the hallway I'm pretty sure, you know, the the, be, the best – I'm pretty sure we all heard the song I'm the Man in our heads when he was walking towards the podium. <laughs> Even before it was released. Yeah. Um, hey, maybe that's what inspired the dude to write it. I mean, yeah, probably. So, yeah, I I just – that was that was a pretty crazy night because in, in a weird way, 
I, I kind of forgot about him. Yes, I was going to say that. I was going to say that, like, because that was a thought I had when I was making this list. Like, up until that point, I, I too, had almost forgotten that Bin Laden was a thing. And I think that just speaks to how much of a mess the previous administration had left the whole, you know, handling of everything going on in the Middle East at the time. Yeah, um, I agree. So it was it was just really exciting. And um, when, I mean, I know in a weird way it's kind of weird to, like, celebrate death, but, like, I, you know, it was one of the, the true uncool people in the world. So yeah. I, was, I was fine with that. And um, he walked out to announce it, and I'm like, wow, there it is. There's your second term. <laughs> yeah. He, he accomplished in three years what George W. Bush couldn't in eight. Yeah. And, you know, you, I'm sure people who hear that will try to say something along the lines of, you know, Obama got there because of what George Bush started. It's like, no, no I don't, I don't even think anybody who worked with George W. Bush would, would give him credit for, no. for, for how he left things. No, he basically had to start from scratch. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, whole... I, the reading, reading Obama's memoirs that he just released a few months ago, he, it's the first part of his memoirs and it covers his first term. The, the part, part covering his second term will come out later on. I guess sometime this year, but um, near the end of the book, the, the end of the book pretty much like covers this, you know, leading up to this and when it happens. And like he talked and he talks about when he first, you know, gets in the office, that was like one of the first things he did was he immediately was like, he looked at everything that George W. Bush had like going on with the middle East and like all the problem was everything that we had going on over there was conflated into like one singular issue. And it just created this giant mess. And basically Obama, like just, he, he restructured everything and he made it a point like to, to get Obama, to get Bin Laden, because that was a, uh, that was a, a promise he made during the campaign was, you know, I'm, I'm going to get him. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy reading the book, just hearing like, how much planning and detail went into it and how long it took because like they pretty much had his location down like fairly early in Obama's first term. Um, mm -hmm. And they were like, you know, we, we, we got this place, this compound where we see this dude who comes out around the same time almost every day and just kind of walks around. We think it's him. And he was like, well, I don't want think I want no. And, you know, some more time goes by and they're like, yeah, we can say like pretty much beyond reasonable doubt that it's him. And just the different, like the planning that went into it, into the, the raid where they got him. And it's just, it's insane. Yeah. Um, the one thing I got so sick and tired of hearing, um, especially from, you know, a certain someone, as you and I know him, the, uh, the extreme independent. Um, was, extreme moderate. Yeah, what? Yeah, and it's like, um, well, Barack Obama didn't kill Osama bin Laden. Uh, Navy SEALs killed him. Barack Obama didn't do anything. And it's like, Navy SEALs aren't New York City cops that just walk a beat downtown and see what trouble they can get into. Like they yeah. weren't just strolling by and heard some noise down the alleyway and was like, oh, let's go check that out. Like. I got so sick and tired of hearing that, and it's it's a shitty argument, and it's just it's a very uneducated argument. Like don't yeah. don't like don't talk about something you don't fucking know. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, no, that was that was uh, 
he walked out to say he's dead, and I was like, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, that's about I all I have to say on it. Um, Obama, not, not Bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just remember, like, the first thing, like, Barack Obama, um, when Barack Obama won, uh, Osama Bin Laden released a statement being like, it won't mean anything, nothing's going to change, everything's going to be the same, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Tweets that aged badly. Yeah, <laughs> tweets that age badly. Yeah, <laughs> last online four years ago. <laughs> Brb, Pizza Man's here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I highly recommend reading reading his book if you haven't yet. Uh, I I would recommend even without having read it just yet. I would recommend reading it more than watching Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, or at least get the audio book, which he does himself. Oh wow. You get to hear Barack Obama drop a few F-bombs. Does he do an impression of anybody? I don't know. I haven't listened to it. Oh, okay. That'd be funny if he like had an impression for certain people. <laughs> All right. Next major event of 2011, Occupy Wall Street. This was really where the, the income and wealth inequality in this country, like conversations about that really started and really lit up the way they are now. Um, yeah. And it just sort of happened out of nowhere, like just these protests on in, in New York City. And it also kind of started the, the conversations in a smaller way that we have now about police brutality and how the police kind of need a reform from the bottom up. Um, because, I mean, we, we all saw the news footage of protesters just literally sitting and doing nothing and getting pepper sprayed and bum rush and all this other stuff. Um, and it, it just, it, it brought a lot of attention to, to multiple issues, but of course the biggest one being the income and wealth inequality, you know, the slogan, we are the 99%. And then, you know, it started in September and it went on until November when they were finally like forced to leave the area in New York city where they were protesting at. But then that just caused similar protests to pop up all over the country um, and I mean, in a way it's still going on to this day, just these conversations and these issues. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't, I mean, obviously with like the core, like overarching, I guess, umbrella issue of, you know, against, um, the mistreatment of, uh, the lower class or, you know, income inequality and that, you know, hoarding wealth is disgusting like I agree with that I just I guess from from where I was able to view it I found it to be really messy because a lot of people it was just one of those things where like a lot of people were jumping in on it and then everybody kept trying to make up like their own um, interpretation of what it meant and what it was about and what it was for and yeah and you know it's just it didn't really have like a a cohesive, coherent, um, consistent, unified, like, I guess, um, thought bubble to it. It was kind of like um, Coney 2012. Oh, jeez, you I can't wait till we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, next year, but, um, so yeah, it's just, what I can say is, like, a little, a little too messy, but, yeah. um, but yeah, you know, better luck next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next major event of 2011, the death of Gaddafi. 
Uh, I mean, we, there, I can't remember if it was like around this year, or maybe probably started the previous year, just a lot of tension in, in the country of Libya with, you know, they had a civil war going on there. And then for a while there, there was a lot of like worries that it was going to become another Iraq war for us that we were going to, or maybe even another Al Qaeda because it was like, oh, you know, we're giving support and stuff to the insurgents in that country trying to overthrow Gaddafi. Is are these insurgents going to become? Because that's what that's how Al Qaeda was created. You know, we right. we supported this group thinking, oh, we'll get we'll kick Russia out of the Middle East, and then an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, not quite, buddy. Um, so there was a lot of fear that we were, you know, repeating our mistakes with Libya. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Gaddafi got overthrown. He went into hiding and they found him. And we've all seen the video of him getting cornholed to death. Um, I mean, I have anyway. I don't know if you have. I have not, no. Oh, yeah. They, they, they straight up stab him in the butthole with, with a bayonet um, multiple times. Well, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, this is another one that's kind of like a bit of a gray area because, you know, it's – of course, there's the fears of what happens, you know, with us just supporting an insurgency against the government, or are we creating a power vacuum that something worse can take over in. Um, but at the same time, Gaddafi was another one of those people, another one of those guys who just was not a cool dude. Um, yeah. Shouldn't have been in charge of the country in the first place. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I mean, I I may not have too too much to add, but um yeah, just uh just just a I mean, just that whole area of the world is just, unfortunately, a mess. And um, I just fear that we will never, ever get to uh, leave it. Um, nope. Nope. So. Or at least not, you know, not leave it unsupervised. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And so. we have, and we have no one to blame for that, for for that status, other than ourselves. No. No. Because I, we we couldn't leave well enough alone. I don't disagree. Um, another interesting, another way that, you know, the, the thing with Libya was similar to, you know, the war in Iraq and all that is because most of the people didn't know what the fuck was going on and didn't know what it was about. And just, you know, a lot of misinformation going on. Um, I mean, one of my favorite things about the, uh, related to the uh, civil war in Libya was during the presidential campaign when, um, Herman Cain was asked about it. <laughs> <laughs> what, are your, and he, what are your thoughts on Libya? And he just spends like a solid 30 seconds just like. <sighs> so. Um, Libya. Barack Obama. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> Which one's Libya again? <laughs> that was like that was like a, um, a spiritual prequel to um, Gary Johnson. And what is Aleppo? You're kidding, right? No. No. <laughs> See, at least Gary, at least Gary Johnson had the you know dignity and the the integrity to admit, like I don't know what you're talking about. Herbie Cain tried to fucking come up with an excuse in real time, and it showed bad. So he's like, I I just don't think Barack Obama handled it well. What part didn't he handle well? Well, I yeah, don't I, want to comment on it one I, way or the I, other until I yeah. find out the full story. Yeah, just the whole the whole the whole sitting. He just wanted to say. Um, I don't know why and I don't know how, but Barack Obama sucks because I said so. I believe these next few lines come from the Pokemon movie. Rest in peace. <laughs> I miss him just because he was so fucking goofy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one, the end of the Iraq war. 
sort of. <laughs> it you know we 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 went to Iraq in twenty in two thousand three for you know the wrong reasons, um, complete bullshit. And we finally left in twenty eleven. You know we were finally like we were finally like we have no fucking reason to be here. We shouldn't have been here to begin with. We made this mess. And I mean, we've cleaned it up as best we could. It's 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 time to go. Like let's let's leave. We left, and we're back again. We went back in 2014 because ISIS decided to be like, hey yo, hold up a minute. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like he said. It just seems like we will never be able to just leave that area of the world. There's always got to be something going on there. Um, and it's just. It kind of has me worried with us finally leaving Afghanistan this year. Like, what the fuck's going to happen the second we leave there? Yeah. I... Well, it was an honest try. Yeah. Tough luck, man. There's always FUBU. Jesus, God. I knew you were going to say that eventually. (laughs) All right. Last last, uh, major event of 2011, the death of Kim Jong-il. Oh, man, ain't God good. <laughs> Jesus, Pete. Oh, come on, he deserved to fucking die. The only sad part is we didn't do it. He was, yeah, an but... he was a bad person, too. I, 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 I ain't saying he's not. I was just, I was just, um, I was just marveling at your not holding the punches there. Um, no, but if anything, the, the only sad part is that his son's worse. Oh, God, yeah, his, his son... Is just as evil, but twice, definitely more competent. He actually stands a chance of being a problem. Um, that was like what my brother-in-law once told me when I was like still a teenager, and I was just, you know, I was like, I was nervous about North Korea because, you know, just they were in the news again, and he was like, first of all, that guy loves our movies way too much. He's never going to do anything. <laughs> and then the Onion even had that like video where it's like. We reach peace with them if, uh, as long as we allow him to direct the next Batman movie. Um, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I just, um, I don't know. It's he was one of those guys where, like, I just, in a weird way, I kind of expected him to like live forever. It was yeah. like one of those t- instances. He wasn't. He wasn't even really that. I think he was only in like his mid sixties when he died, if I remember correctly. By today's standards, he was not that old. By yeah. any means, yeah. um, no. I mean, like, for someone like him, I mean, you know, like the the bad luck the real world has. Like, for someone like him, I was expecting for him to live to be like a hundred and two. Yeah. Um, so, but I just think it's amazing that you know his his son doesn't poop or pee. Yeah, he doesn't have he a doesn't, butthole. He doesn't have a butthole. He works so hard that he just evaporates all that waste inside his body. Yeah. It's. <laughs> It's absolutely crazy the cult of personality he and his son have built around themselves in that country. Like, it's like I think one of them said something about I can't remember if it was him or his son that said this that said like he got eighteen hole in ones in a row playing golf. Yeah. Like, are you that fucking vain? Are you like compensating that fucking hard? Like Jesus Christ. And it's just like. Okay, I'm willing to take something like that, or like they were able to make like every single time they played basketball, they've made a slam dunk. It's just they don't get to do it the times that the cameras are around. Right. Like I can understand that shit, but like, how do you sit down and think to yourself, yeah, 
I'm going to tell the entire world I don't have a butthole. Like, <laughs> how does that sound cool? Like, yeah. It's, it's like, it's one thing to be like, yeah, man, I used to date Scarlett Johansson, but she'll never admit it. Like, no, you're going to tell, tell people you just have one solid Cyclops butt cheek. <laughs> and there's, there's your title for the episode, Cyclops butt cheek. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, that's definitely getting used. That might also be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> oh, Let's move on to the fun stuff for the night. Move on to movies. And what a list of movies we got here tonight. Yes, we do. First one on the list, Drive Angry. Shot in 3D. Oh, man. Comedy of the year. This this movie was like peak Nicolas Cage. Like I don't oh think. Oh my god! Yeah. I don't think Nicolas Cage has done a movie more fucking ridiculous and stupid than this. Yeah. Oh, but what about Ghost Rider? No, no, no. You see, this is Ghost Rider. If Ghost Rider didn't actually have any powers. This this is no. This is a Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movie. If it was actually fun. <laughs> it is. It is a better Ghost Rider movie than the actual Ghost Rider movies with Nicolas Cage. Like, just uh, from the second this movie starts, you're just like, what is this, and why can't I leave? <laughs> I just, I absolutely adore this movie. It is <laughs> so dumb. It is so fun. I explained to you, Donnie, before we popped it in the DVD player, I said, if Tommy Wiseau's The Room is the Citizen Kane or Godfather of, you know, bad movies, like, so bad they're good... Then Drive Angry is the Dark Knight. Uh, I, I just, I mean, they, the villain, the villain got his dick bit off in the backstory, and and Nicholas Cage refers to him as oh, Dickless. <laughs> and then you have William Fickner or whatever as the accountant, the devil's right hand man. Hey, you. Fat fuck. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is so perfect. Like everyone hands it up. I mean, it's just I. I really like. This is one of those movies where I don't even want to talk about it that much because it's just like just watch it. Like it's so. It's just dumb fun, and it's 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 you, just a great ride. You gotta watch it with your buddies. Like yeah. you can't you can't you can't watch this by yourself. You gotta watch it with your buddies. It has or one, your wife. Yeah. I, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, amen to that, though. Like, don't watch it by yourself. You gotta watch it with your buddies. And it has one of my favorite, like, villain deaths in movie history. Like the aesthetics of it, the visual effects of it. Like, he gets launched into the sky, and like his skull just rattles out of his head. And like, it's almost like. <laughs> It's almost like if the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark was made on Microsoft Paint. <laughs> my fa- my favorite scene is when he's hooking up with that woman in the hotel room. And she's like just she's just like on top of him like riding them, but he's like completely clothed and she's like, Why don't you take your clothes off? And he's got like a fucking cigar in his mouth and he's just like, I never disrobe before a fight. <laughs> <laughs> And then those fucking guys it. just burst in the room, guns blazing, and he's like shooting them off while still fucking her and rolling, rolling it, around on the floor. It is. You have, you have a movie like Hitman Agent 47 
that like is absolutely awful. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. But it like it it's take it's still taking itself seriously. Yeah. And then and then you have a movie like this that absolutely knows what it is. And that's what I respect. Like at least own up to what you are. Know what you are. You know, try to be in on the joke if you do become a joke. And this movie, it winks at you so many times it's basically a twitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next movie Sucker Punch. Um, I didn't see this when it first came out. I, th- it was, I, I saw it for the first time, like when you brought it over when we were, we were all hanging out. That was the first time I saw it, and I just, I remember seeing so much stuff about this movie and kind of seeing some hype behind it. I did not care for this movie at all. I think it's a long, boring slog. It's it's tough to sit through. I had a hard time staying awake during it. Like there's just there there's easily like separate like 20 minute chunks like three different like separate 20 minute chunks where like literally fucking nothing happens in this movie and it's it's just a hard movie to sit through in my opinion it looks pretty though it's it it definitely looks pretty um i love the aesthetic um uh marriage partnership relationship uh of larry fong uh dp and um, Zack Snyder. I don't want to fall into the Zack Snyder trap where I just like talk about something for far too long because I always do that. But yeah, I mean, I was excited for this movie. It was one of my most anticipated movies of 2011, just because you know this was when I started to really, you know, like, you know, feel any fandom for a director. And um, you know, I loved Watchmen. Um, and I, I, I appreciated, um, you know, the visuals of 300. And I was excited for Man of Steel. Like, by the time this came out, like, he had already been hired as the director for Superman. And I was like, oh, man, his new movie comes out. And, and I was also excited that this was a completely, quote-unquote, original movie. I mean, obviously, you see, like, a lot of inspiration. You see a lot of borrowing. You see a lot of, like, I guess, odes and tributes and homages and references. But... This is like the most. This would have been, in theory, the most like pure Zack Snyder movie yet. Like not based on a previous IP or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's. I mean, to to specifically nitpick the story itself, I was kind of sort of immediately turned off. My bad. I was kind of sort of immediately turned off by the fact that like the different worlds they go into are like just in her imagination and no one else's. Like. I was kind of anticipating that they were literally going to get sucked into another reality, um, and I guess walk through a doorway, walk through a wormhole. I don't know if I was expecting some like <laughs> line the witch in the wardrobe type shit, <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, that was just kind of a turnoff for me. But as I grew older and I read, you know, other think pieces on it, it is kind of like a commentary on, you know, something that does exist in psychology and sociology, where like, you know, in order to cope with a certain event, somebody will kind of, you know, mentally go to another place, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to put it in a, a more a literal way, both a literal and a figurative way. So I kind of, like, respected that, which, and I mean, that is a thing in psychology that, you know, is studied. But um, it, uh, the extended edition definitely makes more sense. Um, you actually see like, oh wow, okay, so John Hamm wasn't hired to be in a movie for only you know sixty seconds. 
Um, but and apparently this is another Zack Snyder movie where we have yet to see the true Snyder cut. Um, apparently his version was much more gritty, uh, even more gritty, and a, a harder R, because the theatrical release of this was PG-13, and then the Blu-ray was R, but the Blu-ray is just, it's only because she slashes a few orcs back-to-back. Um, so yeah, it's, to some a missed opportunity, but I, I do think it is, you know, nice to um, check out if you appreciate the um, other aesthetics and filmography of this artist, and I'll leave it at that. I feel like Sucker Punch tried to be like a sort of modern Alice in Wonderland almost. That is literally exactly what it tried to be. Yeah, I just I I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, it, it's definitely not a movie where I can fault anybody for not being into it. But um, I don't know. Like lately, I I kind of even though I I have no way to watch the true version, uh, or so he says. Um, I, I kind of want to revisit it sometime. I don't know. I'll update you. <laughs> well, in the meantime, we'll move on to the next movie, Drive. Uh, starring literally me. Oh man, you said it before I could. Yeah, because I knew you were going to, and I wanted to rob you of it. Okay. Yeah. But Drive, I I've only seen this once, and it was I saw it with you and Trevor, and I really liked this movie. Like the, it, I think this was like it definitely wasn't his first movie, but I think this is like the movie that like really caused Ryan Gosling to become like more well known, wasn't it? Yeah, it and like yeah, you're you're not off by too far. Like this was, this was when he really started to have a a male fandom. Yeah. Um. You know because before <laughs> before before like this was 2011. So yeah, before before um the 2010s, he was just known as like the Notebook guy. Yeah. And like girls thought he was cute. Girls thought he was hot. And it's like okay, but then he started appearing in movies that for him were more artistically rewarding mm-hmm. um which yeah good for him yeah i mean i like this movie a lot and i like just how like the whole movie it is very much a slow burn but it's a slow burn done well and it's very like everything in the movie it's it's very subtle very restrained and it's it's definitely a movie you need to like really just like you know i i said drive angry you know you need to watch that with your buddies i i i recommend watching drive at least the first time watching it by yourself just so you can really like have no distractions and really let this movie sink in so you can digest it fully i completely agree wholeheartedly this isn't a movie where y- you should be cracking jokes every second i mean really like allow the atmosphere to seep in sink in um but yeah i mean there's there's a reason why the meme of he's literally me became such a thing is that he just had a very relatable way of being silent, but Mm -hmm. saying a lot and giving away, giving away a lot, but then not too much with his eyes and his looks. Mm -hmm. Um, He kind of gives you everything and nothing at the same time. I don't know. It's, it's a very vague way to talk about it, but um, no, I mean, it is, it is a cool movie and it's a good, like, it's a good introduction to like if a mainstream person, a casual person, wants to get into like some indie or art house films. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, where's a good starting point? It's like, okay, well, watch Drive. So if yeah. you can watch Drive, like you can use that as like a stepping stone or a bridge to other stuff. Um, 
It's funny you say that this isn't a movie you should be cracking jokes at because it, it spawned a joke that you, me, and Trevor fucking had going on for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> My hands are dirty. Well, so yeah. am I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the way Albert Brooks delivers that. It's just like, it's just Ryan Gosling's voice, though, too. It's just like, I love him, and I love other stuff he's in. But I can't, I can't believe people were like fan casting him as Batman because I'm sorry, <laughs> that guy does not have a Batman voice. No, it's just my hands are a little dirty. <laughs> just so am I. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like Trevor's like, what did, what did the screenplay say? It's just like, as are these points to hands, and I'm like, <laughs> how do you point to your own hands? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, next movie then, X-Men First Class. This movie definitely, like, revitalized the Fox X-Men series. Because before this, you had X3, which was a mess. Um, And then you had uh, Origins Wolverine, which was just stupid um, and bad. (laughs) There's no other word for that movie. So this definitely like revitalized that series and brought a lot of interest back to that series. Um, overall, I think it's pretty good. I like it. Um, I've even though I am a huge X Men fan, just the X the Fox X Men movies as a whole, I've never been like a super fan of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always I've always felt like the series as a whole is just missing something, um, just missing that it factor for me. But First Class, I like it. Um, you know, Days of Future Past, I am not a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched Apocalypse. Or, yeah. or Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, but I, I mean, with, with this movie, they got the casting perfectly for all the younger versions of the X-Men. Um, yeah, I mean, James McAvoy as younger or young Charles Xavier, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say the best casting is Michael Fassbender as Magneto. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like James McAvoy, I'm like, oh, he's yeah, he's good as a is is a is a young Professor X. But you know, you're never gonna top Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Like that was that was just some of the most perfect casting ever. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Michael Fassbender. I actually prefer him over Ian McKellen. Really? Um, yeah, I do. And um, I don't know. I just think he 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 has the more like worn out and like I guess Ian McKellen brought wisdom mm-hmm. and to the role, but like Michael Fassbender, I think is able to have wisdom, but then he also has more energy as Magneto. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it too much because I know, like, in the future, we want to have like an X Men ranking, um, like we did with Spider Man. Hopefully, not four hours long. Fuck but, no. Um, but um, but yeah, X Men First Class. It's it's arguably my favorite one in the franchise. I wanted it to be Days of Future Past, but it was one of those instances where sometimes more isn't more. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you know less is more. I guess yeah. which is like I know it's a cliche, but um, no, I mean, X-Men in the 60s with the Cuban Missile Crisis, I, it's a lot of fun, and I thought it was it was pretty good, and it, had, and it brought the emotion, too. Um, I thought it recreated, you know, the, the prologue scene in the original X-Men very well in the concentration camp, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely... <sighs> I, I also loved the, uh, I, the thing that really stood out to me with First Class was the, uh, 
development that was given to Mystique as a character. Yeah, they definitely gave you more of a reason to give a shit that she was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I like the director. Uh, or, you know, I mean, I liked what he did with it, um, Matthew Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I just think his his hiring was very, like, the hiring of him was very phoned in because he was literally hired, like, the month after Kick-Ass came out the year before. Yeah. And it was just like, there was like, oh, we need a new director for the X-Men. And it's like, you know, Kick-Ass is in theaters. Hey, you want to make the next X-Men movie? It's just like very, <laughs> I don't know, I just felt like they were, like, on a deadline. Yeah. I mean, they so, probably were. <laughs> well... Yeah, true. <laughs> they had to make a movie in ten months. Yeah. Which, which otherwise, otherwise, the rights are going back to Marvel. Well, that's another thing. Well, yeah, that was really it. That's another thing, though. Like again, I want to try to save some stuff for an X Men episode, but um, this movie should have been a flat out disaster because, like, it felt very rushed. Mm-hmm. Like, Kick Ass, you know, was released in April of 2010, and then this movie came out in June of 2011, which means it it should have been done by like the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like they made a movie, like <laughs> they made a movie probably in less time. It takes to like <laughs> have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, on the other end of uh, the spectrum of superhero movies for 2011, green lantern. Fuck. I still have not seen this movie. I want to though, just to see how bad it actually is. Um, but just the like the little clips and screenshots I've seen just really give me a good idea of how much of a fucking turd this movie is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when this movie was announced, they were like, "This is going to be the first movie of like the DC cinematic universe." And I'm like, "All right, well, problem number one, you guys kind of have a mascot from like the 30s who's like considered to be the first superhero you could do for that, but whatever." Yeah, um, and that's coming from someone who you know does like the Green Lantern. It's like they're, you know, you, you mentioned how X Men First Class should have been a fucking disaster. The Green Lantern should have been like a great fucking movie because you had a cool hero being played by fucking Ryan Reynolds. Like that's like a great choice for the Green Lantern. Um, and it just it from what I've seen, like I haven't watched the movie, but just from what I've seen, like I remember when they were like the the suit's going to be completely animated, and I was like, why? And I, mm. I've seen a clip of him with the suit and the mask, and it's it. You want to talk about looking like it was made in MS Paint? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just from what I've seen, it does not look like a good movie. But I, I still want to watch it just so I can see how fucking bad it is. Um, without without condemning in a condescending way, I have to fundamentally disagree with the approval of Ryan Reynolds as the Green Lantern. I really? I don't think he fits. I don't think I think he would have been fine as like I I mean honestly like in his Van Wilder days, Ryan Reynolds would have been good as the Flash. Um yeah. I, I I think I think he he was miscast. Like they got they got a, a comedic actor to play a character who isn't that comedic. Like how Jordan isn't like uh, you know, a stone cold prick. He's not like a you know a, a a lump on a log, but he's not like he's not Ryan Reynolds. I mean, it's just there's no way to put it. Um, if he was maybe playing like, I I I don't know what other Lantern is is kind of. I, I mean, in my experience, the Green Lantern usually isn't like the comic relief. Um, like um, I guess maybe there's Guy Gardner, 
who's like the ginger, um, but he's never really like the front and center guy. He's usually like a side dude. But um, I, I, I would say that the casting was was not that great there, though Kilowog being voiced by Michael Clark Duncan yeah. was was absolutely perfect. Yeah. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush's Tomaray was pretty good, and then they got the guy who was Django Fett to be Ab and Sir. I thought I thought all those were good, and um, and of course like, um, uh, Mark Strong as Sinestro. I thought that was really good. Like literally everyone else in the Green Lantern Corps than Hal Jordan was wonderfully cast. Um, and yeah, I, I I agree with you that like this shouldn't have been a disaster. Like I don't think Ryan Reynolds, I don't think this movie's Ryan Reynolds' fault. I don't think he, him being there is what you know plunged the movie. Um, this was directed by, uh, I, his name escapes me, I'm sorry, even though I'm standing in front of a computer, but it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> this was, this was made by the guy who directed GoldenEye, um, which was the first Pierce Brosnan Bond movie, and he directed Casino Royale, which was the first, um, uh, uh Daniel Craig James Bond movie. So two different times in two different decades this director was given the task of reintroducing James Bond to that current generation. And both times he nailed it. People love Goldeneye. People love Casino Royale. So you would think, like, oh, okay, like, a Green Lantern movie, this is a no-brainer. Like, it should be fine. Um, and, yeah, it's just, I guess Warner Brothers was hoping that this would be their Iron Man. Like, they would get, like, you know, the lesser popular um, character to spark their universe. But then it was just like, no, nah, we'll just have the Superman movie be the first, yeah. the first, because that just makes more sense. We're gonna call a mulligan. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's literally all um, Warner Brothers and DC does. They're just endless mulligans. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, the Green Lantern movie is gonna be the first movie of the cinematic universe. It bombs. The <laughs> the Superman movie is gonna be the first movie of the cinematic universe. What about Green Lantern? Huh? Yeah. Um, and there were just rumors that like Henry Cavill was going to have a cameo in the Green Lantern movie, and um, honestly, that would have made it more memorable. Other than talking about how bad it is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like over dramatic. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm not trying to act like the kids in South Park with Indiana Jones four, but it, I was bummed out. Like it was, it was a bummer that just had how like it just wasn't good, yeah. and I guess there just isn't anything more to it than that. Which was a bigger case of backpedaling, the Green Lantern uh, being the first movie of the uh, DC Cinematic Universe, or Dracula Untold being the first movie of the Dark Universe? Um, I would say the Dark Universe is even funnier because they canceled the whole universe. Yeah, they completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. They completely canceled it. It's just like it's just like you had a <laughs> yeah Dracula Untold. It's just like okay, whatever. Nobody cared. And then you had the Tom Cruise mummy, and it's just like. Uh, never mind. But now it all worked out because what I said should have happened was what happened. I was like, no, you should get Blumhouse to produce the new Universal monster movies, make them micro budget films, or just like, just don't make them $200 million. Don't yeah. make them the same price as an Avengers movie. And guess what? The new Invisible Man movie is damn good. Hell yeah. Like, if you, did you see it? Oh, yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. And and they're guess what? They're gonna make a Wolfman remake starring literally me. And I'm like 
no, Ryan Gosling's the new Wolfman. And I'm like, that's awesome. Now we're going to have all these, like, 25-year-olds who try to relate to the Wolfman. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, the, the Dark Universe turned itself around, but it's... Well, it's not even the Dark Universe anymore. They, nobody calls it that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's like, Dracula and Toll's the first. The Tom Cruise mommy's the first. Okay, now hear us out. <laughs> <laughs> there is no universe. We lied. Yeah. It's... It almost got to the point where, you know, every Terminator movie for the last 12 years has been, this is the yeah. start of a new trilogy. <laughs> now, hold on, man. It ain't like that. Yeah. So. Well, next movie then, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, we talked about in the last episode how Deathly Hallows Part 1 just kind of feels like a chore sometimes to, to watch. Overall, I think Deathly Hallows Part 2 is is a very good movie um it's definitely one of the better harry potter movies in my opinion and i mean i definitely give it a a bit of a pass on a lot of its mistakes just because i feel like most if not all of the mistakes that exist in the deathly hallows part two are the results of of the previous movies and just how they were handled um and i mean i've said it a million times on this show before about how just at a certain point these movies really you know, were made for people who already read the books and there's just a lot of shit that's cut out that really hinders these, hinders these movies really badly. Um, but overall, Deathly Hallows part two, I mean, I saw it in theaters. Um, this was one of the few movies that like was worth seeing in 3d in my opinion. Um, like I thought it looked really great in 3d, but I, I mean, I like it a lot. I still like it a lot. I, I, I still think it's one of the better, one of the, top tier Harry Potter movies. Um, and it just, you know, it just wraps the whole, the whole franchise up in a nice, neat little bow. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like it. Um, I definitely, you know, it's, here, here's the thing. You don't want the finale to your series, your franchise. Well, first of all, you don't want it to be bad. Right. Um, but second of all, you don't want it to be too slow. You don't want it to be especially boring mm -hmm. because the whole point is like this is you at the top of the roller coaster about to like go down. Like mm -hmm. you you want it to be a good ride um, to the very end, mm -hmm. and and it is like it, they don't make it you know too slow or anything. But but in trying to avoid that, they kind of sort of dabble in the opposite where. I guess my only critique of this, and this this is a pushed critique, like this, you know, it's too fast. It's it's over before you know it, and you know, with the previous movie and the movie before that being as long as they were, I found myself being like, "Why are you in such a hurry? Why are we going so fast? Like, what's the rush?" I mean, in um, my in my opinion, a proper Harry Potter film franchise, each movie should be, if you want to do it properly and correctly, in my opinion. Each movie needs to be, give or take, three hours long, mm -hmm. and and you need to do it and be bold about it. I would say, you know, when the time. I mean, without without getting into coulda, woulda, shoulda, mm -hmm. I would say when the time comes for them to reboot, mm -hmm. um, I think the 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 most logical thing that's looking us right in the face is an HBO show where each season is a book. Well, they've each already they've already announced season. that they've already announced that that's going to be a thing. Like that last year. 
that there's a new there's a new series or are they remaking it? That they're gonna do a series. That's but it's is it is it like are they new stories or like are they remaking each book into a season? I'm pretty sure it's it's each book to a season. I'll look it up real quick just to yeah. be sure, but because I think that's well, the, if if that is true, then that only proves my point. So yeah, but I'll look it up real quick. But I'm pretty sure it's it's you know they're they're doing the books again. Um, that's not what I want it. But yeah, I, I mean, I overall like in my like I said in my opinion, if you wanted to do a film franchise of Harry Potter correctly, um, you know, each movie needs to be close, if not three hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Harry Potter live action TV series in early development at HBO Max. This is from January of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what it says. It doesn't really go into too much about what it is, but yeah, I, I, I that would be the the you know. I mean, it's it's been ten years. Yeah, so. that that and it would be the choice that would make most sense. Yeah. Um. Especially with you know the the mixed reception that the Fantastic Beast movies are getting right now. Yeah, I mean. I'm I'm almost curious to see what the third film does at the box office because I don't think that's making a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, but that's that's all I have to say on Harry Potter for now. All right. Well, then we'll move on to the next movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think I saw this in theaters with you. Um, nope. No. Nope. This was before we even knew each other. Oh yeah, that's right. Duh, 2011 Dewey. Um, um, we saw Dawn together. That's right. Yeah. I that al- was... I always get them confused, like which no, one is which. That's and that was the best. That was the <laughs> best Google comment of all time. I'm telling the story right now. I'm sorry. Do it. Do it. So so I go to the bathroom, and we're we're in like, of course, our theater back home. Like, oh wow, it's you know, it's the Thursday night premiere for. Uh, for an action blockbuster, let's put it in the small theater. Like, whatever, yeah. guys. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, um, so we're in the small theater. <laughs> Again. The short and, bus. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, dude. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm gone for like a few minutes, and I come back, and I can hear this one ad that was in front of all the movies at the time wrapping up. It's this Coca-Cola commercial where this like these group of teens go to basically a theme park for a day. Like it's not a specific one. It's a very generic one. Like it's not supposed to be like, Oh, it's Disneyland or Disney world. But anyway, they go to a very like generic theme park for the day and this boy and girl fall in love. And you know, it all started with them, you know, twisting off the, the, the cap to a, a glass bottle and um and it's playing the song where it's like i cannot forget the time i first laid eyes on you they're going on the roller coaster and they're so excited and they're leaving for the day and that's it that's the beginning of their love story <laughs> is that they they met over over uh you know a bottle of coke soda pop at a, at a theme park and as soon as it ends <laughs> as soon as it ends Kogel hates sappy shit. He hates he hates he hates the you know, mushy like lovey dovey stuff. 
as soon as it ends, he goes, oh, God, just untie the six flags and fucking hang me with them. <laughs> <laughs> the entire theater, because everyone heard it, all, all 20 people, the entire theater busts out laughing. <laughs> and I walk in at the tail end of it, and everyone, Michael's in tears, you're in tears, everyone's in tears, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> And Kogel's the only one not laughing, and I knew right away to be like, what did he say? <laughs> I think the well, only the only theater comment that Zach made that I loved more than that was uh, when we saw American Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> there was a dude, like, we're, we're, like, close to the back of the theater, and there's a dude sitting, like, near the front row. Yeah. And something happens in the movie that I guess was funny. I barely remember that him. movie. It was kind of it a was, fever dream. It was with... I... Pardon my my you know my bluntness I guess um, pardon the pun but um pardon my bluntness but uh it, it's like the scene where like Kristen Stewart is kicking ass but she's sexy at the same time that's basically what happened yeah and this dude just lets out this loud ass fucking laugh <laughs> and like Zach Zach oh man he knows. <laughs> It was more like a moan. Yeah, he, was like, he he half laughs and then he goes, "Oh, <laughs> oh man, he nodded." <laughs> and Zach, the way Zach said it, he sounded like he was proud of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he was about to toss him a towel. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh gracious. man, here's some butter for your thing. popcorn. Anyway, remember when we were talking about the new Planet of the Apes movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this was uh, the first one since the Tim Burton movie that was just kind of weird that nobody really liked. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that, that's, a good, that's a good description of Tim Burton after 2000. That was kind of <laughs> weird and nobody liked that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, this one's a good one. Um, I, I like how they, you know, because the Tim Burton one's just like a straight remake, isn't it? Well, if you want to say a straight-up remake, sh- whatever. But yeah, it is a remake. In yeah. <laughs> Whereas this, this attempts to be like a prequel, be like, how did the Planet of the Apes become the Planet of the Apes? Right, and, correct. And I, I, I liked it a lot. I like how it's like, you know, oh, we're, you know, you know, we got test lab animals and we're getting our comeuppance <laughs> over how we treat them. And I... I also like how, you know, it's, you know, the, the Alzheimer's medication that they're working on, the treatment for Alzheimer's, the cure for Alzheimer's and how it, that, you know, mutates into the disease that like causes apes to get smart and kills humans, like just the domino effect of it all. Um, and that was um, them making it that it was the cure for Alzheimer's. That was like kind of, it was a reference, but I guess in a weird way, it was kind of like a, <laughs> an almost... um crass homage to Charlton Heston himself because that's what he died of. He died of Alzheimer's. Oh. So, yeah, it was um, it was them trying to do the cure for Alzheimer's. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a very... I thought it was very good. I liked it a lot. A lot of emotion um, in it. A lot of emotion. It was smart. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was an exciting movie. Mm. And um, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I think... Did you ever see, not to fast forward, I guess, well, that's exactly what I'm doing, but did you ever see the third one, War 4? No, no. Um, it, it's good. It's also, <laughs> I thought you were about good. to be like, um, don't. <laughs> no, it's, it's, fi- it's just really forgettable. It's one of those things where like a couple weeks later, I totally forgot that I saw it. Yeah. 
Um, and and I didn't even think Dawn was as great as like everyone was promising me. Like I thought it was good, but yeah. people were like promising me like an A plus, and I I got a solid B. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these movies are indeed a solid B. I I think they're good. They're well acted. Um, I mean Andy Serkis's performance, um, in these is just great. Um, yeah. they really need to rethink the the Academy should rethink you know, not having a Oscar for motion capture work and performance. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I recommend it. It's good. Is, is there, it's, it's one of the better reboots. Is, is there another movie coming up in development at all? or? Um, so, this movie, or, like, like, it was, this was designed as a trilogy. That's, like, the short answer is, like, they very much said no war is like the finale of that Caesar trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um as far as another one in general, um after Disney bought Fox, they were like, okay, let's <laughs> everything Fox ever made, let's make it again. Um so yeah, I, I think there is a interest in making another one, just like there is making another Predator. Yeah. Um even though the one from twenty eighteen absolutely sucked. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure eventually there will be another one. All right. Well, then let's move on to our next reboot slash prequel of 2011, The Thing, or as we like to call it, The Thingy. Yeah. Um, I saw this for the first time with you guys during a get-together, and, I mean, I liked it a lot. Um, I mean, it, it's – it did – it, it – Chose, it made the right decision by deciding to be a prequel as well as a reboot because when you have a movie like The Thing that's already so well done and iconic and you're going to try to remake it, it's just kind of like how can you improve on it really? You know, it's all mm -hmm. when, it's, when you're that level of iconic. So I think they made the right decision by looking at it and be like, well, you know, they get there and they find those, you know, the previous team, their bodies already fucked up and dead and everything. How did that happen? What happened there? Right. Where, there's a story there, you know, let's tell that story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think overall it's just a very well done movie. Um, you know, it, kind of a shame that it's not as iconic as the original, but you know, I guess that's for a reason because the original is the original. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean the the effects of this movie too, like the, the special effects. Holy shit! Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I haven't seen it since that one time, but I I remember thoroughly enjoying it. Have you ever seen the? Oh, I mean, well, first of all, even John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982 isn't the actual original. Even right. that's a remake um, right. of The Thing from Another World, Another Planet, from like the 50s or something. But the John um, Carpenter one is the one that like everybody thinks of. Craig, have you seen that one? The John Carpenter one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's one of that's one of the best horror movies ever. Um yeah. and it's easily one of the best remakes ever. I mean, it truly is the best example of a remake. Um if you're gonna remake something, make it worthwhile. Um as far as this one, the thing, you know, parentheses two thousand eleven, I I enjoyed it when I saw it in theaters. Um, that October, I thought it was like, okay, this is the next best Halloween-y, you know, themed movie we can have right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I enjoyed it at the time, but good, the YouTube channel Good Bad Flicks had a really good, 
um, like exploring uh, commentary on it. And um, you know, I, I think in some ways it, it was made with decent intentions. And in other ways, I think I don't think any of it's bad at all. I just think some of it is a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like them being like, okay, well, instead of doing a remake, we'll do a prequel because yeah, like you just like you said, not to do a copy paste here, but you know, some shit went down beforehand. So what happened? Mm -hmm. um, other than like, I guess the obvious opinion that many others would have is sometimes some things are just cooler as a mystery. Like, don't show me everything. Like, sometimes that makes it scarier. But then, you know, they that's the that's the path they want to take. That's the journey they want to take. Fine. What ends up happening is, you know, in this prequel, you know, these events that would have been in the prologue of the other movie, it kind of almost plays out beat by beat the yeah. same. Yeah. To the point where it's almost a remake anyway. Right. And it's just one of those things where it's like, what what are the odds of the same events happening to a different group of people, but in almost the same order? Right. Um, you know, and and that's just that's just really a devil's advocate argument. Um, I like the cast in this one. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I thought that was cool. Like instead of having like, okay, we'll get like the Kurt Russell of this decade or whatever. Like, just go in a different direction. Um, and I thought that was wise. And, you know, one of the critiques of this movie is that they actually did try to do a lot of um, practical effects and designs and puppetry, but then the studio didn't like it, and they're like, well, this, you know, this is fine for 1982, but it doesn't really fit in 2011. Mm -hmm. They went over it, and they kind of, they almost did like a, a 97 Star Wars where they just put CGI over stuff and... Yeah, that caught a lot of shit. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to get a little long-winded there. Um, I enjoyed it in the time. I definitely think, like, it was made with some good intentions. But some stuff there is a missed opportunity. Did you see if there's a Thing board game? Yes, by Mondo, isn't it? I think. I wouldn't, yeah. mind, I wouldn't mind getting that and playing it sometime. Oh, my God. Yeah, we definitely got to try that out. But we'll move that's, on. That should definitely be an episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm down for doing board game episodes. I uh, I'm in. All right, so we'll move on to the last movie of the night, Super Eight. This is a, another movie that a lot of people like, and I just didn't really care for that came mm -hmm. out this year. Um, I mean, you know, directed by J.J. Abrams. I've never been a huge J.J. Abrams fan. Um, I've always said that J.J. Abrams has never made his own movie. Uh, this is the closest he's ever come to making his own movie, and it's literally just E.T. meets the Goonies. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I, I can understand and appreciate, you know, making a movie that's a love letter to a director that inspired you, um, but it's just, it, it's very derivative. Like, there's a difference between being a cover band and just straight-up plagiarism. Um, mm -hmm. and this, this kind of blurs that line at moments. And it's also, it just, I, I barely remember anything in this movie just because I watched it. And then like a couple weeks later, I forgot about it. Like you said, with war of the planet of the apes. Um, I mean the, the thing that sticks with me the most that I will give credit for is the opening scene when the main character's mom dies and she's at work 
and like there's an accident and it has the sign, you know, this many days since, you know, last accident. And then, you know, the guy goes up and just changes the sign to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't understand like what the purpose of the alien is, what it's doing there. Did it crash land? Is it there for a reason? I don't understand like what their whole deal is with that thing. And then like at the end of the movie, when it's flying away and like in its spaceship and going back home and they're all crying and everything, I'm like, why are you crying? It tried to fucking kill you guys. Like what the fuck? <laughs> e- e- you tried to act like it's ET, but it's really a xenomorph. What? <laughs> I I just don't care for this movie at all. I'm I'm okay with never seeing it again, and I'm okay with never seeing J.J. Abrams again. If we're being honest with you, Jesus Christ, Jar Jar Abrams. So, as far as Super Eight goes, um, when I saw this movie, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant and beautiful. I it was one of those movies where like I just I appreciated that it existed. You know, like just just the core concept of it of a a tribute to um the 1980s Amblin films. And I'm like, "You know what? I like that. They don't make movies like that anymore. Good for them. Th- thanks thanks." And um but yeah, I mean, I it it's it made me love J.J. Abrams more um, than you know I had already loved him from the first Star Trek movie, and um, yeah, it, it for me it was easily the movie of the summer, and possibly movie of the year, and as time went on, um, it, I understood why some people didn't rate it as high. I do think in a way it's an underrated movie, like it's. I don't know. I, I, I feel well. A lot of people don't even, like you said, don't even remember it. Um, if I were to say it, a lot of people wouldn't even be like, "What are you talking about?" Um, it's it's underrated in a way, but yeah, some stuff like the ending needed some notes. Um, you can tell that he was both the writer, director, and the producer, and it was like. Yeah, Steven Spielberg should have been like, yeah, I, I think you need to spend a little more time on those last few pages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like that, you know, in order to make his own new summer blockbuster, he wanted to make an homage to the man who arguably invented the summer blockbuster. Because um, he had, like, you know, the sheriff of the town, and he was basically Jaws, and you know, obviously you had the Goonies, and then you had, like, E.T., if E.T. was kind of a dickhead. Um <laughs> What if E.T., but a dick? Um, but yeah, that's the thing, though. It's like you saw like you saw the creature like chewing on some legs, and it's like are, we're supposed to feel bad for this thing? Like, yeah. I, um, but more than anything else, I love the score to this movie. Michael Giacchino's score is wonderful. I, I, have the, um, I still have the, the ending track, Letting Go, on my iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the best arguments against this movie, or not just against it, but, you know, pushing this movie aside, is when I was saying Super 8 is basically the movie equivalent of a cover band, but it's one of the best cover bands in the world. And um, my coworker Dimitri, who I was speaking to, said, okay, that's fine, but I don't have cover bands on my iPod. I just have the real thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's touche. Like, he, you got me there. Um, I will say yeah. Super 8's the closest thing we've ever had to an Earthbound movie. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess the main thing to say, if someone would be like, wait, what was Super 8 again? I say, it was basically Stranger Things five years before Stranger Things came out, in yeah. which, I mean, Stranger Things blows this out of the water. Like, yeah. the Duffer Brothers, good job. Yeah. Um, you know, and I like Kyle Chandler, um, the father in this movie. Um, I mean, I like him as an actor. The character's an asshole. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, David Harbour is Hopper, like, just awesome. Um, just an excellent job. So, yeah, it's it's He's a shame. Really me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. It's um, yeah. Final thoughts. It's it's a movie that unfortunately got buried, and that's a shame. So, I don't know. I I, I would be fine with another J.J. Abrams joint if it was kind of sort of like this, like completely his own thing from the first page to the last page, um, more or less, give or take. But. And then just a few other movies I wanted to mention real quick. Um, this was the summer for comedies. You had um, The Hangover Part 2, which was truly Die Hard 2, Die Harder, or Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, but with The Hangover. Like, it's just the same plot all over again. Yeah, I've only ever seen the first Hangover. I haven't seen Part 2 or Part 3. And I remember they came out the same month, and a lot of people leaving The Hangover Part 2 thought to themselves, I should have just seen Bridesmaids instead. And <laughs> Bridesmaids is hilarious. I love that movie, especially the scene where they're all about to shit themselves. Even though that scene doesn't match the rest of the movie. Like, it just has a completely different energy. Um, and then you had Horrible Bosses, which is... I, I think you've only seen the second one, Donnie, and the second one's sadly forgettable. But yeah. the first Horrible Bosses is the best Hangover sequel that was never made. And, um, yeah, that's it, because I'm sure you don't want to talk about Your Highness. Nope, fuck that movie. It is a stupid movie, but I guess that's the point. Um, it's not even funny. I, I laughed at it a couple times, but yeah, it wasn't as much of like a gut pincher that I was hoping it would be. I, so. I, had, I had more fun watching Zack hit his fucking TV with a broomstick than I did watching the movie itself. Alright, you can't reference something like that without telling the story, so now you're obligated, before we move on, you're <laughs> obligated to tell that story. So, we're, we're at, at uh, the house Zach was living in with his friend John at the time, and they got, like, one of those big screen TVs from the 90s that have, like, the speakers built in in the bottom, and they weigh, like, as much as a baby elephant, Um it, it was, it was, it was, um, what you put in your VHS from Blockbuster in. Exactly, um... Exactly. One of those TVs. And, like, you know, it has the speakers built in at the bottom. The giant fucking speakers. Well, for some reason, like, the cover for the speakers was, like, taken off. I guess something was going on with them, and Zach was trying to fix them earlier or whatever. He's like, I think I got it working, so we're all good. We're watching the movie. Or the fact that it was just 25 years old. (laughs) Or that, too. But we're we're watching the movie, and, like, at first everything's fine, but, like, what, maybe a half hour into it? Yeah. We start hearing, like, this crackling sound. Like, you know, just randomly in the middle of the the movie. Just... And Zach literally just takes this fucking broom... It just starts poking into the speaker area with it from across the living room while sitting on the floor, mind you. Yeah. Just He just... And it works, and it's fine for another couple minutes, and then it starts... Again, so he just starts... Oh, damn it. And eventually, it does it again. Just like, hey, Zach, the campfire is trying to tell us the s'mores are done. Yeah, he looked like he was just making s'mores at a campfire. 
I'm like, I'm thinking of myself. Man, man, with all the money you're spending on Bailey's Irish Cream and whatnot, y'all could have just banded together for a new TV. <laughs> but the Bailey's Irish Cream is important. Sure, you ever, whatever. You ever drink it from a shoe? No. <laughs> all right, well, we're done with movies. Let's move on to TV. Normally we have TV shows that started and ended when we do these kind of episodes, but for 2011, not a lot, nothing really ended that was interesting as far as TV went, in my opinion. So just got a couple shows that started in 2011. Sure. First one, Bob's Burgers. Um, When Bob's Burgers started, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I think a lot of fans will say the same thing. Like that first season's kind of rough because I think the show was really trying to find its like sense of humor and its pacing and its rhythm and and its identity as a whole. Um, But as the show went on, it got better. Like I think the recent seasons are still pretty good, Um, but that first season's rough. Like there's a few golden moments, but overall that first season's rough. But like, now looking at the show as a whole overall, I'd, I'd have to say it's like it's a very good spiritual successor to uh, to King of the Hill because this came out like right after King of the Hill ended and it has a lot of the same people working on it. Um, I, I think you in particular would really enjoy Bob's Burgers, Blake, especially if you like tough it out through that first season. And it's not even that I... the fir- it's not even that the first season is bad. It's just mm-hmm. you watch it. And you're just kind of, you just kind of don't really feel like it's anything special. And then when you get, and then especially when you get past it and get into the later seasons, you're like, oh wow, like you know, the show really has improved by comparison. I have not. It's not that I I don't appreciate that recommendation. I I have not seen a single episode of Bob's Builders. I just obviously Burgers. I just huh. You said Bob's Builders. <laughs> oh, sorry. I have not seen a single episode of Bob's Burgers, <laughs> but um, I, I just haven't been interested. And one thing I just have to say is I, I don't like how – it is interesting that now, as time goes on more and more, we have all these um, animated series that are aimed towards adults. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing I don't like is that most of them uh, – have very sloppy animation, which is kind of, I guess there's an irony there that like, oh, it's for adults, but it still looks like scribble artwork. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's something that's like, kind of like, I don't know, that irks me that like, none of these, um, none of these shows have a more like detailed design. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess it would be weird to watch a version of Bob's Burgers that's like drawn like Akira, but um, (laughs) Whatever. So, but yeah, no, that's I've, all I have to say. I've only seen maybe a season's worth, if that, of random episodes altogether. But I, I would like to sit down and like actually watch the whole series from beginning to the present sometime. Sure. And then the next show that started in 2011, Workaholics. Um, Workaholics. I liked it at first. Like at at first, I thought it was a pretty funny show, a pretty good show. I haven't watched it since it ended. So I don't know if I would feel the same way now. I, I feel like if I were to watch it now, I would feel like kind of over it and feel like it's I, I have matured past it for the most part. But yeah, I remember liking season one and season two. And then I remember by the time I got to season three, I was like, this show has gotten fucking 
dumb, and I kind of like tuned out for the most part after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all it's, I gotta say about workaholics. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. Um, yeah, I, I remember when like you and Trevor showed me um, an episode of this, mm-hmm. and I didn't say anything the whole time. And y'all looked over at me when it ended, and I go, "Play another one." Yeah. And it's just like it's a very like it, it's it's good like when you just need something simple on you know when you don't yeah. really want to focus in on something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I feel like, I mean, how many seasons did the show last? I, I want to know that. I want to say four. Let me. Four or five. Oh. Da, 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 da. Or is it Worka? Yeah, it's Worka. Yeah, um, it's Worka. Seven seasons. Oh, shit. So, so this series, I feel like this series in a, in a way is kind of like that one class clown um, you went to school with where like at first they were re- you thought you know at first you'd kind of dug their their humor you dug their style mm-hmm. but then as time went on it's like man you, you're you're really just up to the same old shit aren't you exactly um, exactly so that's that's kind of the impression I get of the later seasons it's like oh you're we're still doing this huh yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I, if I had to recommend an episode though I would recommend the one where they they all party like and get drunk the night before they have to work and then they wake up and they're still drunk because they wake up and they're like, oh man, we're going to be so hungover and they wake up and they're like, oh wow, we're not hungover at all. Oh wait, it's because we're still drunk. So they like, they have to like, they spend the whole morning making sure that they're still like drunk but not completely wasted to where they can't function because if they sober up, they're going to get hungover and they're not going to be able to function at all. It's it's just a funny like hamster wheel of an episode. I, I respect that. Um, and then it's, the one thing is like, another thing is, um, is, I just, I can't love a show too much when it does that thing where like, the group of friends are assholes to each other. And to everybody else. And to everybody else. And it's like, one, you feel like you don't really have anybody to root for. Mm. And two, it's like, and that's how I feel in a lot of episodes of that 70s show. Where it just it feels like they're not even on the same side, and yeah. it's just like I'm, I'm sorry. Why are all of you friends with each other again? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's really all I got. All right, next show, Bar Rescue. Um, I both love and hate this show because every time I see like a random clip on Facebook or YouTube or something, or like a random episode comes on, I can't look away. I gotta watch the train wreck, you know. But I also hate it because one. You can't tell me John Taffer isn't also a, isn't just a certified asshole in real life. Um, there's no way that that's not possible. And two, like, while good in theory, like while it makes for good television, at least in theory, the idea of you know we'll find this dive bar that's like struggling and like we'll try to like revive it and turn it turn turn it around and get its shit together. The bars they're reviving, like three-fourths of them are, like, the owners are people who I wouldn't consider worth redeeming in any sense. Like, a lot of these bars, the owners are, like, they got themselves into this shit because they're legitimately, like, not cool people. And it's just, like, I want to see them, like, find a bar that's, like, struggling for reasons that they just can't seem to figure out. Like, maybe they're just in a bad location or the market's just not doing it or whatever, but they're owned by people that are, like, actually cool and would deserve to, like, have their business revived. Like... I don't know, but maybe that's just me, but 
it, it's it's a weird show to say the least. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I have not seen a single episode of the show, and I have never seen this man before in my life. Is it is it anything like Hotel Impossible? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen Hotel Impossible. It's basically, um, it's basically the bar version of what Gordon Ramsay does. What? What are you laughing about? <laughs> it's just I'm just thinking about Hotel Impossible. I just, it, it, I guess. So Hotel Impossible is about this guy that goes to like failing hotels and tries to like get them back on their feet. So I guess it's it's kind of the same theory. Yeah. And um, the episode I saw, he was he was teaching an owner how to properly wipe wipe down the the seat of a toilet. Oh which, god. Which if you have to, yeah. If you have to explain <laughs> that there's a right and wrong way to wipe down the toilet, and the guy still doesn't get it, all hope is lost. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you can't even make them understand, oh, so that's where the butt cheeks go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he he cleaned. He cleaned, he wiped down the inside of the toilet, and then he started wiping down the toilet seat itself. And the guy's like, D- do you just understand what you just did? <laughs> Instructions unclear, dick and toilet. <laughs> it's like, it honestly reminds me of that meme where it's like, have you ever have you ever dated a girl who had a twin sister so you got confused and fucking mad? <laughs> Oh, man. I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah, well, we still got a little bit more to do. Okay. But if you get the chance, just go on YouTube and watch a clip of Bar Rescue sometime and try to tell me that John Taffer isn't like an actual asshole in real life. I mean, I guess <laughs> to play devil's advocate, I guess you kind of have to be if that's what you do, you know? No, like, you see, like Gordon Ramsay does that with kitchens, but like Gordon Ramsay does that because... In a kitchen, it's got to be a well or well-oiled machine. Everybody's got to be on the same page. But like Gordon Ramsay's actually like when he's not like quote unquote working, he's actually a pretty chill dude. John Taffer's actually an asshole. Yeah, I guess in Gordon Ramsay's defense, he's trying to make sure somebody doesn't get sick and die of poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the last show for tonight. Last Man Standing. <laughs> Home Improvement without the charm. Yep. Bingo. Um, now I remember when this show was announced, it was a big deal because it's like Tim Allen's returning to television. I'm like, oh, what you're saying is Tim Allen isn't bankable anymore. <laughs> Tim Allen's returning to television. Oh, so there's at least another several years before Toy Story 4. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember like I watched like the first couple episodes just because they just happened to be on. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was all right. It's you know, it, it really is home like a, a more contemporary home improvement in a lot of ways. But like, it was it's a decent show. At least it was at first. But then as it you know went on and Tim Allen started to become more outspoken about his political beliefs, it that started to like bleed into the show, and it just the show really suffered for it in my opinion because like every other joke has to be about oh, I'm conservative, and you're liberal, and you're dumb. No, you're dumb. And it's just like, yo, man, I get enough of that in my home life with my parents and just on Facebook. I don't I don't need that here. Like, where, where's the actual where's the actual humor? Where'd that go? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it also it just suffered because it just became 
more obvious that Tim Allen's kind of a dumbass. Um, yeah. <laughs> Never forget, Tim Allen was a coke snitch. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time he puts down Hollywood, it's like, oh, way to bite the hand that fed you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I watched, I, I actually watched a episode of this, and it truly is fragile masculinity, the show. Yeah. Um, and it, and it just becomes that, it just doubles down on that so much more the longer the show goes on. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I'm trying to remember the episode I saw is when he wasn't describing how awesome this random knife was he had in his collection. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, his daughter was dating a boy who cared about the environment, so therefore that boy was a pussy, and it's like, wow, in 2011, we're, we're still doing this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, no, no. <laughs> oh, also, uh, Tim Allen doesn't understand why he isn't allowed to say the N-word in his stand-up comedy. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I don't know how to explain this to you. <laughs> 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 I, I need you to look in the mirror. That's why you can't say it. <laughs> I still love when Tim Allen tried to put, tried to be cute and put out a tweet saying, uh, it was like a year, like a couple years ago, he put out a tweet saying, uh, if we evolve from monkeys, how come there's still monkeys? And somebody responded with, "If we revol- evolve from monkeys, why do we still have Tim Allen?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. <sighs> what a dumb man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. But he is—he is a great actor. I mean, he had to convince us that he was able to be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> and Santa Claus. Yeah. Well. I wish Tim Allen was make believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that's good. Oh. Mm, that got me good. Good, I'm glad. We'll move on to our last topics, for, last batch of topics for the evening with music of 2011. We've got a couple songs here. Um, this one, I fucking hate it. This one, and I hate this band, "Sexy and I Know It" by LMFAO. Uh, you want to talk about a band who's just trying too fucking hard, like from the name to the song, to their aesthetic, to just everything about them. Like, geez, are they even still around anymore? I fucking hope not. I'm pretty sure they just had that one album and that was it. Thank fucking God. Um, I remember like uh, this, hearing this song in like random commercials and movies and like, this is one of those songs that like also like boomers would try to ironically have as like ringtones. And yeah. it was just like, no, nah. <laughs> like, no, no thanks. Yeah. And it just, ugh. it was this. And then boomer men would also try to have, um, and I, I, I know this because my stepdad was one of them would have Kesha's, uh, timber as a ringtone as well. Um, It'll just sidebar about that song. I remember when that came out, my stepdad was like, I don't usually like that kind of music, but I can dig that song. I'm like, yeah, it's because of the music video, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Next song, Rolling in the Deep by Adele. I'm not a huge Adele fan. I don't really listen to her music. Nothing against her. It's just not my style of uh, music. But this this is when Adele really kicked off, and I just remember like everybody talking about her when, when this song and this album came out of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and she's, she's still, she's still rolling along to this day. So good for her. Um, I just, Lord, forgive me. Good for her. Respect her. Um, uh, she was actually a pretty solid, uh, Saturday Night Live host. Um, I saw that episode. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I'll never forget Joan Rivers. Just she decided to roast her, and it was just like, yeah, rolling in the deep. What's that? Deep fried chicken? <laughs> it was just like, wow. No, thanks, Joan. Uh, and then like everyone was like, nah, that that's not cool anymore. Um, Joan yeah. Joan Rivers was a mixed bag altogether. Like on the one hand, getting roasted by her is an honor, but on the other hand, she she was actually kind of a legitimate cunt. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. I caused Alexa Caesar, Riyad. <clears throat> Shit, if Joan Rivers was alive today, she'd probably fucking agree with me. <laughs> Am move I on. wrong, though? Please move on. No, I won't. <laughs> and then we just stay on this for 30 minutes. If Joe Rivers was alive, she'd probably agree with me. <laughs> she fucking would. That's that's. I mean, people are going to use that when they testify in Congress now. <laughs> they don't deserve rights, and if Joe Rivers was alive, she would agree with me. <laughs> oh fuck! Go on with your thought. Um, no, that was that was really it. I mean, what was the other song before Rolling in the Deep? Oh, um. LMFA, yeah, that album, Party Rock or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, that was... That really only needed to be popular the month it came out, if at that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I it, it was. I, I think the duo was like a nephew and uncle, honestly. <laughs> of course it was. And then, like, they just vanished. And it was like, I, I don't even know... I, I guess we really got to start researching this shit before the night, you know, we do it. But apparently they just wanted to focus on other stuff, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Playing catch. <laughs> God, you're on a roll tonight. Oh. Next song, Firework by Katy Perry. You know, like 2010, 2011, 2012 was just like a, a, a good time for Katy Perry. She just kept putting out bops, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about last episode how that album of hers, Teenage Dream, was just a, a great album all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last song I got here on the list, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj. This was also when Nicki Minaj really blew up. I've never been a fan of her. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of Adele, but I can at least, you know, be like, eh, you know, she she's good at what she does. Nicki Minaj, I... I don't think Nicki Minaj is good at anything. Um, but that's just my not so humble opinion. Um, I mean, I just, I just think her music is super derivative and just, uh, she, she, she's just there in my opinion. Um, the, uh, the prototype to Cardi B. Pretty much. Yeah. But at least Nicki Minaj, like, at least Nicki Minaj can actually rap. It's just, she just can't put a good song together. Cardi B is like actually legitimately dumb. I think Cardi B might be legally retarded. You're really going for broke tonight. Yeah. Well, I'm broke on thoughts other than, um, (laughs) super bass was, uh, it got stuck in my head though. I'm not going to lie to you. I I will not lie to you. It got stuck in my head. That, I mean, that was the thing with Nicki Minaj. Like, I, I never thought any of her songs were really fantastic, but they st- they still managed to get stuck in your head for a while. Yeah. Um, especially when she did Anaconda, where yeah. you just sampled um, Baby Got Back. Yeah. And then I forget what it was, but she then had the nerve to 
like put down another artist for sampling a song or to be like, oh yeah, it's uh, they can't make up their own thing. It's like you literally just released a remix of Sir Mix a Lot. Like, like it was like horribly the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, it got stuck in my head. Um. And then Katy Perry. I especially remember Firework, the music video. The fireworks came out of her boobs, and. um, And she even said that she goes, "Oh, watch the new, uh, watch my new mu- music video. They shoot out of my boobs." And it's like, oh, <laughs> "All right, okay, Barry, like that's thanks." Yes, mommy. Oh my god, <laughs> you have to be stopped at all costs. <laughs> I have seen now what I would have to become to stop men like you. <laughs> Not all men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all men. Yes. Any other thoughts? No, I I, I think uh, I think we had a pretty uh, solid return. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Cardi B again, um, remember in the 2020 election this last year when, when she like endorsed Bernie Sanders and Bernie started doing like stuff with her? It's like Bernie, no, what are you doing? You're killing your campaign. Yeah, it's like he sat down for interviews with her, and it's like. And it took Bernie all of five seconds to realize, oh, this bitch is dumb. <laughs> It's just like, I don't know, man. Like, you, you, I mean, he couldn't sit down with Rosario Dawson this time because she was, she's uh, Cory Booker's girlfriend, so that would have been weird. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, man. You couldn't sit down with, like, other famous people that like you. It's like, why are you, why are you doing this? Yeah. I guess, like, she has a very mainstream platform, um, but, yeah. But God, well, did you see that argument she got into with Candace Owens on Twitter? Oh yeah, and fuck and that was, was like, that was that was like watching somebody beat up a toddler. It was like I, I it was wasn't watching, fun. I was watching. I was almost watching that unfold, and I could say in Nathan Lane's voice, "Please don't help me." <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, that's ugh, yeah. Like Cardi B, God bless her, but she's and, and, she's legitimately I know, dumb. I know her intentions were decent, but it's like. You don't have good grammar. Yeah, like, you are, out, ma'am. You're out of your wheelhouse on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's like just just donate, show up, vote, donate, but like don't help me. <laughs> Which granted, Candace Owens is out of the out of her wheelhouse on that topic too. But whatever. Um, Candace Owens is doesn't have a real wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, Candace Owens is also a certifiable cunt. <laughs> Joan Rivers would agree with me. (laughs) I need this to end. All right. Well, on that note, we'll go ahead and call it here tonight. Good episode. Um, We'll be back next week. Um, We're we're not going to do every Sunday anymore um, just because of schedules. We'll, you know, so just keep an eye on our Twitter at fat minute radio, Facebook, fat minute radio, Instagram, fat minute radio. Uh, Keep an eye on us. We'll definitely be back next week. And Hey, if you miss us live or you tune in late, will be uploaded on uh, all the fun stuff, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, Google, Parler. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but if you missed us, we'll be literally everywhere. Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Pornhub. Oh, um. my God, man. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Don John Laughs. You can follow my co-host BVJ at Twitter, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Puka Saucy. On that note, 
Hope you all had a good night. It's nice being back. Hope you guys missed us as much as we missed you. And we'll be back. We'll be back next week when we discuss the year of 2012. So thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.